Welcome back to another episode of McCann on Sports, being recorded here at McCann's Ale House and Cigar Bar. Before we get started, I want to uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, as always, thank you to the gang over at Fallen 360 Media Group for helping put this show out. Uh, they do a great job over there. If you uh, are looking to get into the podcast business or any type of media design and network, Go ahead and check them out on Facebook at Fallen360 at Facebook.com. Tell the gang over there that uh, Abe sent you. Our next sponsor we got is uh, my man Esteban Justo over there at Justo's Gym in, in Scottsdale. They are located at 431 North Scottsdale Road in Arizona. It is a, a complete workout um, training environment, if you will. They do everything from boxing and Muay Thai to personal one-on-one training uh, feels like family, they say. Go over there and get in the best shape of your life. And um, if you're looking to try out the gym, just let them know that Abe sent you. And uh, ask for Hustel. He can get you squared away. I can't say enough about all the work they do over there. They are, they train people of all different levels, from professional-type athletes getting in shape for the NFL and the NBA, all the way down to uh, guys like me with a dad bod just trying to stay fit enough and uh be able to take your shirt off in the summer without being embarrassed. Uh, you got kids. They have some special classes for kids. Boxing is a great sport for them. It's a, they do a really great job of introducing the young ones to the gym and to the gym environment, teaching them how not to only be um, disciplined and have self-confidence, but also how to be good citizens. The gym is a family environment, and everybody there is very welcoming so go on down there, uh, phone or call them up at 480-751-7120 and uh, tell them Abe sent you. Our next sponsor, uh, for those of you that are not like me, that, you know, I have one of those faces for radio, which is why I don't do a video show, but you want to get some photographs taken. Maybe you got a wedding or a special event coming up. Go ahead and reach out to our good friends over there at Nick Patton Photography. So if you're on Facebook, that's n.patton photography they're a husband and wife team over there they do some really nice work here in the valley they can do your family photos your weddings they can do portraits uh, engagement parties whatever you got maybe you have a an event you're doing for work and you're looking to get some good action shots uh, those of you that have kids and maybe you're trying to put together uh, some video footage for a recruiter and things like that uh, they can do all of it big projects small projects and if you're a professional type and you need that solid linkedin photo Reach out to them, talk to Nick over there, and uh, they can get you squared awake. They uh, do all my work for me, and uh, very pleased with them. So again, just tell them Abe sent you, and that's N Patent Photography at Facebook.com if you want to look them up. All right. Um, oh yeah. Last but not least, want to thank uh, my good friends over there at Hobnobs Chicago uh, Sports Bar in Chandler, Arizona. If you are a Chicago fan and you have not been there and you live in the Valley. That is the place you need to go to catch all your Chicago 
your Chicago sports over there. So everything from the Cubs and the White Sox to the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and everything else in between, they uh, they cover it all. And if you aren't a, uh, a Chicago fan, don't worry. They've got TVs at all the booths where you can tune into whatever team you like. Yeah. Food is great. Specials are great. Um, so go check them out over there off of I-10 and Chandler Boulevard. Cool. So now that we've paid our bills... Today's episode is going to be um, about baseball. It's that time of year again. The dog days of summer are almost to coming to an end. We're just a couple of weeks away from September. And uh, football's getting ready to start. Basketball will be here before you know it. The weather's going to change. But baseball is still here for now. And we're getting to that point of the season. You know, we're past the trade deadline. People are trying to reload their rosters, make new additions, change some things up. People are being sent up. People are being sent down. All kinds of adjustments. And uh, we're getting ready to, you know, get things going here. Things are going to get real interesting over the next couple of weeks. And so having said that, we take a look around uh, MLB today. You know, let's go over our our league leaders real quick. So in the American League, in the AL East, you got the, the Red Sox over there. They're 10 games up on the Yankees which I don't think anybody figured that would be the case at the end of last year. And, you know, they did pick up J.D. Martinez, but all the moves the Yankees have made in the offseason as well, we thought there was going to be in another arms race. But so far, it looks like the Red Sox are, you know, setting themselves up nicely to win that Eastern Division. And hopefully we can have a good playoff series maybe between the Yanks and the Red Sox at some point. You got the Indians 12 and a half up on the Twins in the uh, AL Central. And you know it's nice to see the Indians there again. Uh, who can rem- who can forget that historic run they made, only to come up short against the Cubs? Uh, you know I felt bad for them because that year, if it would have been any other team they played against, the whole country would have been cheering for Cleveland. But of course they had to play Chicago, who had a an equally miserable streak as uh, of for unproductivity and and losing. Um, the surprise though is uh, the surprise for me anyway is in the NL. So in the NL East, you got the Braves holding on to a two-game lead right now over Philly. And I don't think anybody, myself included, thought the Braves were going to be a player this late in the year. So good to, good for them. I hope they keep it up. That NL Central, or that NL East, rather, is wide open. You've got, uh, you know, the the Braves here at 67-51. and 51, So they're 16 games up, but that's only two games ahead of Philly. And so right now, I think that's a two-horse race for that you know, and if my memory serves correct as well, I believe the Phillies are also ahead of the Dodgers and the the Dodgers and the Diamond, the Rockies rather, for that wild card spot. So keep an eye on that race definitely to see who comes out of the NL East. Looking more and more like we may have possibly two teams coming out of there, the NL Central, where the Cubs continue to maintain a small lead over the Brewers. Again, two games and, you know, third place Cardinals are only four games back. So they've got some pretty tight races but I think uh, the the most the tightest race is going to be over here in the NL West, where the Diamondbacks are officially a a game ahead of the Rockies and two game ahead of the Dodgers, who seem to be in a tailspin as of late. You know, still reeling from the loss of their closer, Kenley Jansen, with his heart condition. Um, the NL West has been a I've been monitoring it all year, and it just seems to be that division. No one's really looking to no one's really looking to take it over. I mean, at this point in time, even the Giants in fourth place are only five games out. So my bold prediction for that division is whoever goes on a run, anybody can put together a anywhere from a, you know, five to eight game run will probably close that up. 
You know, I mean, the Dodgers have lost five in a row and are still two games out. You know, Rockies didn't really make any big moves, um, but they're right there. You know, um, it looks like in this division, especially, we're we're seeing a case where the Dodgers went out and made a couple splashy moves. They brought Dozier and Machado in to add to their to their already potent offense, but they're struggling from pitching. And the Diamondbacks have been bit by that pitching bug as well, and so is Colorado. It just seems like between the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Dodgers, whoever goes on that run and whoever can fix their bullpen and get consistent play out of their pitching staff has probably got a good chance to go ahead and win this division. But overall, I just don't see any of these teams competing long, long-term long in the playoffs against the Cubs or the Braves. They just seem to not have the pitching staffs required this year. you know. And again, I really don't see anybody beating the Red Sox this year either. The Red Sox and the Yankees, the Astros are all just killing it. Their offense is good. Their pitching is good. It's a... Uh, it's going to be the AL's year as far as I'm concerned. So that's a quick rundown of that. Um, you know, we really want to talk a lot of baseball today. I want to talk about the state of the game. want to uh, address a few things that have been weighing heavy on my mind. And So let's just get to it. You know, um, the game is changing, you know, and, I, and I, I hear that a lot. You watch the games, you see the games, and... My entire life growing up, I always heard about, you know, baseball is that sport where the numbers, they they just mean so much. Your greatness is measured in baseball by statistics probably more than any other sport there is. And we, I lived through the steroid era. I lived through the strikes and everything. And when the steroid issue was really coming to a head in 2006 and Baseball introduced sweeping changes to the testing and, you know, the level of testing and who gets tested and why and whatever, and really decided to go ahead and crack down on all this performance-enhancing drug use. There was always this topic, this discussion of how should these players be in the Hall of Fame, you know? Why do they deserve to be considered amongst the greats like Babe Ruth and Henry Aaron and Guys like Joe DiMaggio and at the time Pete Rose before the gambling and things like that, they're because they're the people felt like their statistics were they were fake. They weren't real. They had no integrity. They were all hopped up on roids and juicing and Barry Bonds had the world's largest head. He used to be a skinny dude. Now look at him, he's crushing five hundred foot homers. And you know, there was this debate about that, about the purity of the numbers. And so Major League Baseball had a huge problem on its hand. And so they re- they reacted the way they did. They introduced higher comprehensive testing. They introduced harsher penalties for PEDs, thinking that that would curb the use of PEDs. And you ask your boy Alex Rodriguez, apparently he didn't get that memo. Uh, neither did Ryan Braun. And guys are still going to cheat. They're still going to cheat. And they're going to risk their careers. And, you know, some of them are going to get away with it because – as the, the testing gets better, well, so do the drugs get better. The industry keeps up. Where there's a will, there's a way. And when you're playing a sport for, for money, you're a professional athlete, and this is the way you make your living in the world, you're going to do what you can to uh, protect yourself, to protect your spot. As you get older, athletics is one of those things where your age truly does become a factor. You know, you get bigger. You're, you're get, I mean, you get slower. You get weaker, your 
your body starts to change, you start to lose testosterone, you start to lose a lot of the physical ability, and it's just part of the natural aging process. It's not like any other private company, private industry, say investments or or computer designer, where the main your main talent is is your brain, is your intellect, and your discipline and your will. And you can have all the discipline in the world, and you can have the will and the heart to drive. But in athletics, at some point, your body is what's going to fail you, and you'll find yourself in a position where you're no longer physically able to do the things necessary to maintain your level of excellence, to maintain your position in the sport. And you're going to have younger, stronger, faster, quicker guys coming behind you that want to take your job. Whether you're a pitcher, you're a batter, an infielder, whatever your job is, there's always going to be that next great thing coming. That first round draft, that new rookie sensation, or that just younger player. Guess what? They throw harder than you. They're quicker because you're old and slow and your arm and you... Your body has a lot of damage and wear and tear from playing 162 games a year for 10 years or whatever the case may be. And so when people ask, well, why are these guys still doing this? Why are they still trying to cheat? They're trying to protect their livelihood. And if you really think about sports in general, it is one of the few places where every day you're judged in the public. So your performance at work is out there in the open for everybody to see. If I'm at work and I don't get enough sales for the month, my company knows that. But I don't go on, you know, I'm not going to go on to ESPN and then see an article written about me because Abe failed to meet his quarter three sales goals. And so you have to really think about the added pressure of being a professional athlete and the pressures, the, the stressors, the things that in that position are different from a normal civilian livelihood. Now, and and again, I know where people are going to go. This is a game. These are these are men getting paid a king's ransom to play a child's game, and I agree with that. But that doesn't mean that at this level there's not stress. That these these men and these women, these professional athletes, we're specifically talking about baseball players today. They have dedicated their entire life to this field of sport. This is their livelihood. So it's not just about being a good position player or throwing a good curveball or you know, adjusting the the launch angle on your bat or being able to run quick and be strong. These guys need to maintain their bodies because their body at the end of the day is the product. So if you were an auto body shop, your product is the car, is the work that you do. The, The product that you put out to your customers is what keeps your doors open. And in this case, it's their body, their ability to perform at a high level. So of course, there's going to be some stress involved with that. And at the level they're at and the money they're making, you're going to do everything you can to maintain that lifestyle. You, you know, nobody wants to go from a seven-figure year salary to a six or a five. In the civilian world, if you can make six figures a year, you're probably doing pretty all right. Your life is probably pretty decent. I'm not saying that there's not extenuating factors to that or you may not have stress. But what I'm trying to do is paint a picture of even though there's all this comprehensive testing and the game shifted so hard in 2006 and the way that it tested people that these people are still doing it why why would they do that and that's what we're trying to explore but what i really want to get into is what were the effects of this of this change baseball was at an all-time high when mark mcguire and sammy sosa and barry bonds were crushing the ball balls are flying out of the park left and right you had some of the best 
statistics, statistical years you'd ever seen. Barry Bonds broke the home single season home run record. Then he went on to break Henry Aaron's record, and people were blaming it on the steroids. And but the thing is, is that it wasn't just the hitters. You had guys like Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, to name a few pitchers that were just lights out. It seemed for every one of these big league home run crushers, you had a dominant pitcher. The Braves were probably established the greatest pitching staff ever. Greg Maddox, Tommy Glavin, Johnny Smoltz, all those guys. Maddox and Glavin, probably the best one-two duo in the history of baseball. You had baseball was at an all-time popular level. People were flooding the stadiums. The World Series were great. And then you had all this single-season drama. And so baseball took a really big risk by trying to clamp down and keep people in the seats and maintain a product that was entertaining. You hear terms thrown around where people will say, well, maybe these guys that use all these PEDs deserve to go to the Hall of Fame because the entire league was juiced. The entire league was a performance-enhanced drug use league. Rafael Palmero is another one. You know, he denied it, but in the end, he ended up getting popped. That's how important these PEDs were to the game and to what was going on. And whatever your feelings are about whether or not that was okay, whether or not these people deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, the biggest thing that I I personally take away is that it changed the game. Because the one thing that remained after the steroid era was this passion for statistics. The sacred idea of a player's stats. Oh, you want to go to the Hall of Fame? You got to get at least 3,000 hits. Got to get 2,000 hits. We can't let you in the Hall of Fame because you might have won you know, this many games in your career, but you only hit 100 homers. Or the other people, in the, there's this comparison that says you have to hit X amount of this type of hit. You have to have this many hits, this many, this much as needs to be your average, this many home runs, this many RBIs, a fielding percentage of this. And when we look at the Hall of Fame, it is a very statistic-driven, statistic-driven institution. And baseball, I love it. I love it. I will sit here and debate anybody that wants to about a great example of, of this is we look at the New York Yankees, right? The Hall of Fame, you could make a Hall of Fame team just based off Yankees. And the latest debate is Derek Jeter. Was his average high enough? Did he get enough hits? Was he that great a player? Now, if you judge Derek Jeter on his entire career, he was an amazing baseball player. Despite what his statistics say, if you compared him to another player, he was a winner. He was a class act. He was a leader. He was clutch. How many times do we see him come up big in the World Series? And then again, full disclosure, I'm a Dodger fan. Okay, I am not a Yankee fan. But that's the type of thing that baseball fanatics, baseball purists get into. And that brings us to where we are today. There's a huge uproar about statistics, about the state of the game. People felt like after the steroid era, the game was going to lose its popularity. It was going to be boring. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. There were so many doom and gloom predictions. But I'll tell you what. It's definitely changed. And there is some alarmist at what it's changed into. I personally, every time I turn on the game, it seems to me like it's less and less the game that I grew up with. I grew up playing baseball, playing hard. There was a deep amount of respect for the way you carried yourself on the field. 
you played hard, you ran hard, you threw hard, you hit hard, you had a hard-nosed attitude. And whether you were a pitcher, whether you were a first baseman or an outfielder, there was a way that you conducted yourself on the field. For example, everything is is a battle. If you're a hitter and you're hogging the plate, you're getting you're closing in, you're trying to take away some real estate from that pitcher. You're trying to take some area of the plate away where that pitcher can't work. And that pitcher, conversely, is going to throw in on you not necessarily try to hit you, but they're going to throw in because they want that real estate back. They want to be able to paint that inside corner or they want to be able to brush you back and then dump the ball way, away low on the outside so you can't hit it. It's a constant battle. And when guys got hit, guys understood, okay, if I got hit, they knew the difference between, hey, the breaking ball didn't break and or two, I just got hit because this is retaliation for something one of your guys did. And they knew the consequences. There was going to be some action. Ask Robin Ventura what happened. When you dropped your bat and you, and you rolled up to that pitcher, you knew what was going to happen. The dugouts knew. Everybody in the entire stadium knew what was going to happen. You look at last night's incident. There was a, a Donnie Brook between the, the Dodgers and the Giants over what? Because Yasiel Puig is a nut. He is. God bless him. He plays the game like a fucking child. And he has that childlike exuberance where as a Dodger fan, I love that. But in the same breath, the guy is just a fucking nut. So misses a pitch, starts yelling at himself. And then Hunley from San Fran decides, oh, well, I want to get in this conversation. I want to talk to crazy man. So then he starts talking to him. And Hunley, being the pussy that he is, he gets in his face. And says something, you know, who knows what he says. The only people that know are Hunley, Puig, and the umpire. But he doesn't take his mask off. And then he gets so close, they touch the the brims or heads, whatever. And the rest is all whatever. And all you see is a bunch of grown men running around, grabbing each other, trying to do this, and puffing out their chests. And the whole thing just made me sick. I just watched it, and I was like, this is horrible. This game has gotten soft. You know, you look at the, the, the Diamondbacks the other day. DeSouza goes in hard against the Cubs, and now all of a sudden, oh, he's a dirty player, and he tried to hurt somebody, and Baez is hurt, and Rizzo's running his mouth. It's, it's ridiculous. Back in the day, you always went in. You went in hard to second. Now, you didn't try to hurt people, but you tried to break up a double play, and all you really were trying to do is give the, your, your runner behind you a chance to make it to first or let the infield know that, like, look, I'm not the one. So that then the next play comes, they're going to hesitate maybe a half a second. Maybe double check their position one last time and then end up missing the play because you play the game hard. And when someone played hard, you played hard back. You didn't get upset. And you know what you didn't do? You didn't show up to the ballpark every day acting like you were the man and it was all about you. You see these pitchers wearing their hats sideways for no reason. It doesn't help you. There's not, you know, taking the sun off your face. You just want to look different. And all these celebrations, well, I like the game exciting. I tell you right now, I love the way Latin players play the game. I liked, I liked the way Big Poppy played. I liked the way Pedro Martinez was fiery. I, I admire that fire. But now you have a bunch of people that are going too far. Guys wearing gold chains, hanging out their shirt, more worried about how many straps they got, all this extra equipment on your ankles and your foot and your forearms. Athletes today are the best athletes they've ever been physically. They're more advanced. Their training is super scientific. They have never been bigger, stronger, faster. 
Why do they need all this extra crap? But they do. And you look at it, they've got pads for sliding, they've got pads for your foot, pads for your forearm, pads for this, pads for that. Look, if you're if you have been hit in the face with a pitch and then you decide to go ahead and get that little extra piece to cover up your cheek a little bit, more power to you. I don't want to see you get hurt. Not like that. You could die. But all this rest of this stuff is just bullshit. And this is the game. The game is not even played the way it used to be. It's lost that edge. Now it's gone from being a man's game, trying to dominate, trying to play the game rough and hard-nosed to just focused on individual statistics and individual personalities and the way you look and the way you hold your bat. And So now what we have is we have this league that is driven by personality. It's driven by stat. And in reality, the game is getting boring. It's losing stuff. The biggest place I can point to to prove my point is offense. So you look at batting averages now. The strikeout has become the norm. It's become acceptable. When we came up, we admired guys like Tony Gwynn. Guy was a big dude, but he had a good bat. He's up there with Ted Williams as one of the best hitters ever because he tried to hit the ball. He believed in the, the idea of you hit the ball, you get on hit, you make contact. Nowadays, everybody's worried about this thing called launch angle. And hitting the ball hard and in the air has become the priority, not hitting the ball. And we see statistically the, the strikeout ratio and the strikeout percentage has gone up. So right now, just so you know, the way it's going currently as of April in 2018, according to ESPN, there were 6,656 strikeouts in MLB in April. Conversely, there were only 6,350 hits. So you're the first time you're at a level where the hits possibly in the season will be less than the strikeouts. And no one cares. You're starting to see numbers of batters and runners left on base because instead of trying to hit a, hit a ball through the hole and drive a runner in, guys are coming in and they're worrying about launch angle. They want to hit that home run. Because when baseball was popular, it was Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. That home run ball carried baseball. I mean, they had, they had Tommy Glavin and Greg Maddox do a Nike commercial called Chicks Dig the Lung Ball. Two Cy Young winners, probably the two greatest pitchers in their prime, and the entire commercial is about hitting home runs. And that, that mentality has stayed with baseball to the point where we're like, okay, we got rid of the drugs, or we tried to, but we need to maintain this offense. And you have this idea of cybermetrics and, and stats coming into everything. Well, this person on this day at 2 p.m. with the wind and the sun and blah, 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 is more likely to hit this pitcher because of these weird factors. And now there's actually marketing tools where guys are putting knobs on the end of their bat and they're saying, this is my launch angle. You have bases loaded, one out, and you get stranded because the next two batters fly out or they strike out because they're trying to hit hard. And see, the pitchers are not, they're not stupid. Nowadays, not only are, are, the, are teams managing their staffs a lot more because of Tommy John and things like that, you're seeing more and more pitchers in a game. So in 2006, the, the average game had 3.85 pitchers in it per team. So now we're in 2018, we're up to four and a half almost. So we've gone from four to about four and a half. So now you're seeing more pitchers. You're seeing that starter less and less. There's things like pitch counts. We're monitoring the number of pitchers. 
by pitches each pitcher throws, trying to preserve that arm, trying to pre- prevent injury and things like that. So it affects the hitting. It affects it big time. So you have a percentage where the first go-around on average in MLB, the first time a pitcher faces a lineup, the batting average is around 245 with, an, with a slugging percentage of about 785. But the second time around, that average jumps up to about 270 and an 800 on, um, on base percentage, or I'm sorry, slugging percentage, right? And that's the second time around through the lineup. But if we're seeing more and more pitchers, batters are not ready because now they're having to start over. So you have this philosophy that's changing, which, you know, I don't know about the pitching part. That part, I, I go back and forth on. Some days I'm like, you know, just let this guy pitch and finish the game. And other days I'm, I just watch these managers and I say, put your stats away. Put your computer program away because I see you make four substitutions in one inning because that's what the, the metrics say. Whatever happened to just letting a man be a man and saying, hey, I'm going to ride this horse because, one, he's on a roll. Two, he just seems to be good against this team. Or three, like, he's better than the other pitcher, and it has no really meaning, you know, but I'm going to change him because he's right-handed and this guy's left-handed all of a sudden. That's a factor. I watched the game last night, and – and the manager was riding the cybermetrics train, and he put he had four right-handed batters in a row, and he left in a lefty that was statistically supposed to be better than his other pitcher, who was a war horse and just comes in and throws gas. Ends up losing the game. Losing the game, bullpens are melting down, and people don't know why, but then they look at these substitution patterns, and we have these managers like Dave Roberts and Tori Lovello in Arizona, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Well, the metrics, this and the metrics. And they'll never come out and say it, but the players are starting to say it for them. Starting to hear things in the media about why the lineups don't make sense because they're all computer-generated and they're not generated by someone who knows the game. Coach your players. Manage the game like a man, you know? Anyway, (laughs) I got a little off on that one there for a second. Back to why the game is boring, though. So you have these pitchers. Specialized pitching. You're you're developing these specialized swings. So guess what the pitchers are doing? They know you want to swing up and out. They know you're worried about launch angle. So more and more, they're keeping the ball away from you because they know you're desperate to hit the long ball. So you're taking more chances. And 2006, the 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 swings that were clocked being at balls that were outside of the strike zone was 23% of strikes were swung at balls that were balls. In 2018, that figures up to 29.6. So every swing that players are missing, 29% of those are at pitches outside because the pitchers know this guy just wants to go yard. That's all they want to do. They want to keep the game exciting. But when you really look at the negative effects, home runs aren't up. They're not. We don't have any more of these historic runs unless you're J.D. Martinez, which ask Arizona how that worked out. Oh, he'll never do that again. Well, apparently he did. And he's going to keep doing it. But you you don't have these exciting home run races anymore. And, you know, except for Bryce Harper this year, and I'm not even a Bryce Harper fan, but he's the only reason the home run derby was worth a shit because he had that drama. Him and his dad, hometown kid, I mean, he he had an American flag bat. So I'm a veteran. I don't know if you know that, but he he got me with the bat. And, the, and by the way, his dad should be tested. Have you seen that, Roy Monkey? Holy crap. But anyway, the game is getting slow. And here's something that is a mind-blowing statistic. In a category that's called the three true outcomes, so we're talking about walks, home runs, and strikeouts, okay, those, those three appearances, those three out, um, outcomes or events are called the three true. One-third of all of those 
of, of all at-bats and plate appearances this year. So because of those three outcomes. So if a home run hits, ball is gone. No one makes a play on it. Just gone. It's not on the field. Strikeout, obviously you don't touch the ball. And a walk, you walk. So now of all total plate appearances in MLB, 33% or one-third of them, the ball does not even come into play to the field to play. So one out of every three batters, nothing's going to happen in the field. No one wants to watch that. No one wants to watch that. And why is it? Because we're so focused on launch angle. We're so focused on this idea that chicks dig long ball. The game was at its highest in the steroid era. This idea of an exciting baseball game was reaffirmed every night on ESPN and Sports Center and the plays of the week. And we have a mindset in the sport of baseball now that's not based on substance, it's based on style. Managers are managing different based on statistical outcomes. Again, going for the splash. They're not going for the, the game. They don't want to talk about the game, the strategy. The thing that made it beautiful was to sit on, a, on an afternoon and watch a pitcher and a catcher duel against batters. Watch a manager try to outmanage another. Watch the world's greatest athletes, except for you, John Crook, you fat fuck, try to outplay each other, try to out-hustle, try to outwork. Now we show up. You got guys dancing in the dugouts, wearing gold chains, looking like they're wearing body armor to go bat, wearing their hats sideways. They're making the game about themselves. And in the end, this whole philosophy is reaffirming it. Strikeouts are more and more prevalent. They're more acceptable. The game is boring. And younger fans are watching it. And they're just sitting there going, it's okay as long as my guy does all right. So if you're a parent out there, a young baseball mom, you know, you're raising a kid, you're a baseball dad, whatever you're doing, teach your kid to play the game the right way. We need more hard-nosed baseball players. We need that kid that grew up in Arizona somewhere with a chip on his shoulder that ends up going to play college in South Dakota or something but remembers how hard he had to work just to get that scholarship. That's the guy we need playing ball. That hard-nosed person to come remember that. And every time they pitch or every time they take that field, do so with a chip on their shoulder. Because baseball is dying on the vine and breaks my heart to say that. But that's where we're at, folks. Ugh. That was a rough one for me. Anyway, thank you for your time. You've heard me on my soapbox for long enough today. I appreciate your support. Keep tuning in every week. We look forward to doing these broadcasts. And look us up at uh, Fallen360 on Facebook. Send me some messages. Let me know what you guys want to talk about. We've already mentioned a couple topics. You know, don't worry, Philly fan. I'm coming for you. I got you. That's going to be a special episode, I promise. Football's around around the corner. I really don't cover the preseason very much. Um, It's interesting to know that teams are making roster moves and things like that. Uh, I like that part of it, but I really do. And I I get excited because this time of year where even Browns fans are excited about whether or not they have a chance to win. So keep keep tuning in every week. I'll keep putting them out. I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. I I got a whiskey and a smoke calling me. You guys out there be good, be safe, and I'll see you next week. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app 
free for iOS and Android. Thank you.